0: It is six past six on this Wednesday evening. You're listening to the Boldness on the 3CR 855 AM or streaming at 3 You And now on the Boldness with Phineas and Raphael, it's time to introduce our first guest.
1: Good, good evening,
0: Fiona. How are you doing tonight?
2: I'm well, thanks. And Raphael. that will be, of
0: course, Fiona McMahon, Education
1: Coordinator from ADEC.
2: Hi. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me on the show.
1: Now, ADEC started in the 1980s, and this week is National Harmony Day. How has ADEC grown in stature since then?
2: Well, ADEC started out um, through the work of um, a small group of people with a disability from um, called backgrounds, um, who identified that They wanted to take a more prominent role in identifying their needs and finding solutions to those needs. And and one of the the key movers in that process was a woman called Effie Meehan, who's a woman with a disability from a Greek background, and she's still involved in the organisation in a key role today as a disability ambassador and uh, a facilitator for the Greek carer group. So... The organisation started off um, really to look at the needs of parents and access and ensuring that uh, people with a disability from called communities had opportunities to access education and services. Um, and it's grown over the years to uh, offer a whole range of different services that have really come about in response to the needs uh, identified by people from those communities. So to give you a bit of an overview, we have a strong advocacy program. We have social support groups. Um, we have an ability program, which stands... Uh, Perhaps you're a bit unsure about what that is, but essentially that's an art exhibition um, that we hold annually. Um, And in the lead-up to that, people living with a disability or mental ill health um, create their own artworks to be displayed at that exhibition. And uh, it's usually held at Federation Square, so it gets a lot of exposure to the wider community. Um, We run a digital respite program um uh, education programs hack access and support So a whole range of different things and we're always open to initiating new programs in response to identified need
0: it's a difficult fork people from cultural cultural and linguistically diverse backgrounds to access mainstream support fiona
2: look it can be it certainly can be and I guess we're all pretty aware that um, the community services sector has a language of its own which is quite complex and when you add to that um, having to navigate that complex language when it's not even your, your birth language it makes it even more difficult so certainly language can be a huge barrier for people but there are other barriers that come in there too so for many communities, the idea of advocating for yourself or um, challenging what you're offered can be a no, and so people may feel that they just have to accept what is proposed to them. Um, people have experienced, you know, discrimination and racism, which makes it difficult for them to have trust in um, in some mainstream services. Um, and also, you know... There is the whole issue about um, the stigma that can be associated with um, accessing services in some communities. So there are lots of barriers that come into play that make it difficult for people from culturally and linguistically diverse communities.
1: Now, what are some of the barriers that with ethnicity or people from ethnicity uh, backgrounds may experience trying to, um, within their own, maybe, is it within their own community that they might get some discrimination or...?
2: Well, I think that there are... Sometimes people feel that they can't talk about the issues within their own community because there might be, amongst some parts of the community, perceptions around disability and mental ill health that are not supportive and an idea that perhaps you're meant to keep things within the family and deal with issues yourself... Um, so those create some challenges for people in terms of getting external support but I have to say that what we found at ADEC is that it's often um, people within the community who then take a role and uh, have a voice in educating other members of their community about speaking out, asking for services, not being afraid to share their experiences and even with our support groups, so our carer support groups, those are all facilitated by people from the particular communities who have experience of living with a disability. So they're very proactive in um, bringing attention to the issues and making sure that people know that it's okay to talk and it's a good thing to talk and it's a good thing to ask for what you need in order to be able to live the life that you want to live.
1: Is there training available for people who speak more than uh, one language? Let's say they speak two or three languages when, so, they're, when they're working as a carer for example?
2: Right. So I guess that the different training that um, that we look at, we would provide training to community services workers um, across the board, and that's about it, trying to promote inclusive environments. And those are inclusive of people of all abilities and all backgrounds and understanding some of those issues that we've just mentioned around barriers and how we can work in a way that reinforces those barriers or we can reflect a bit on our practice and think about, okay, how can I do things differently that will make this a more welcoming, safe and inclusive environment for people? And we actually, you know really value the contribution of um, bilingual workers who bring a whole raft of skills into their work. And and at ADEC we have staff members from so many different communities, 15 different languages are spoken within the organisation, which immediately... You know, when you're connecting with someone, it puts somebody at ease because they feel that they can communicate in their own language, and that's one barrier that can be addressed in the first contact.
1: Now, is that let's say a person has got a disability, um, from a cultural perspective, does it make any much of a difference if the carer might be male or female?
2: Look, it can be really important for some people. So one of the um, services that we run is called Multicultural Respite and uh, that's where we provide support to a person living at home and people are very specific around uh, who they want to provide those services. So often it will be about a particular gender is important and that might be culturally important as well as just individually important, um, it's also about the language and, un- and having an understanding of some of those cultural norms, the things that are, that make you feel comfortable. Um, the things that are a given because they're a shared understanding and you don't have to explain that, you don't have to emphasise that. So yes, I think that that for many people in our experience is a really important thing to consider in terms of the provision of care or support in any way. It's about the connection, it's about people feeling comfortable um, with the person who's delivering that service for them.
0: Our guest tonight is Fiona McMahon from who is the educational coordinator from ADEC? And you're listening to the boldness on the 3CR 855 AM. Now, Fiona, what challenges will, because we're about to, uh, I guess, the disability sector and, and uh, people with disabilities are going to enter a, a whole new world soon with the National Disability Insurance Scheme. Um, what barriers will that uh, what barriers will that present <coughs> me? What barriers will that present for people from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds?
2: Yeah, look, I'm glad you asked me about that because I think that's something that we're all thinking about at the moment and wondering what impact it will have. but certainly we're aware that for many people from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds um, there isn't sufficient information available that's accessible to them about what's coming. And I think many of the things that um, that we've just talked about in terms of the barriers that people experience generally may well be magnified um, with the NDIS because if people aren't clear about what the scheme is and don't fully understand the language that's involved, it makes it very difficult to articulate what your needs are and to advocate for yourself. So um, one of the things that we're looking at doing is providing support to people from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds to understand that planning process for people to be able to identify what are their goals, and um, how can they go about achieving those goals, and what sort of supports do they need? I think that there are some additional complexities in there for people who might have come from, for instance, a refugee background where there's been experience of trauma, because often the impact of trauma is that it's very difficult to plan. It's very difficult to identify goals for yourself. So. There are some really complex issues in there. Um, And what we hope to see is um, people from called backgrounds getting the services that they need. We do know, and we we see this um, through the work that we do, that an awful lot of people from called communities don't access services at all. So they're... um, You know, they're they're being supported or living their lives or supporting people with a disability within their own family um, without any external supports. And it's hoped that through the NDIS process that um, people will start to see that they have a right to access supports that are available out there in order to assist them to achieve the goals that they set for themselves, mo- so I think there'll be a lot of work to be done in this space.
0: Should more people have access to uh, or should more, um, should more people uh, should more people come or i guess should more be done so that more people from cold backgrounds can come forward and access services?
2: Yeah, well I think that that's an important thing for us to consider uh, and I think that a lot of organisations are taking steps to try to ensure that more people hear about the NGIS, more people understand what it means and encouraging people to come forward to access that service. So I think it will take time. But it's my understanding and from what I've heard that there's a growing uh, realisation that uh, we need to do more to engage called communities to ensure that the NDIS provides them with the same opportunities as other people and that they're not not further marginalised through the NDIS because either they don't know about it, they don't know how to participate in it, or they're... They're limited by those barriers around you know, acceptance and goals and so on that are complex for everyone but particularly complex if you have that sort of language and cultural barrier in there.
1: Are there training packages available to work out how the National Disability Insurance Scheme may be delivered to people with culturally diverse backgrounds?
2: Well... I don't think that there are specific um, training packages around that, but there is a lot of work being done uh, by different organisations to to look at what can be offered to people from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds as information and really structured preparation for the NDIS. Um, So, for instance, um, ADEC is doing some work with Kensington Neighbourhood House um, looking at the... uh, the community that they serve and um, developing up a program to support people in that preparatory stage um, so that they get the information that they need and they're also assisted to to engage in that planning process to advocate for themselves and to develop those skills around self-advocacy, which can often be quite alien in called communities.
1: Well, let's, not, let's take self-advocacy... I believe that it might be difficult at um, the best of times, but what about if like if let's going back to a person who comes from a refugee background, for example, learning to speak up when is it how difficult would it be to try to overcome trust barriers to speak up about what the person may be able to do?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, that's a really interesting question because I think it's so complex and uh, everyone's different. We're not saying that everybody from a refugee background is going to have the same experience as each other. Um, but I think that there are um, difficulties for people and there are huge difficulties around around trust um, that where you've perhaps come from a situation where... The government or government representatives are not to be trusted to then do a complete u-turn and put all your faith uh, into an organization that is essentially a government organization it takes a huge leap of faith for people and it takes time uh, for people to feel comfortable um, about the services that are being offered and that you know government services are there for support not for punishment um, so it's, it's a slow process and it is about information giving, building trust, understanding that if somebody is not participating to the degree that you might anticipate, it's not because they're not interested, it may just be that at that point in time, they're not able to do that. That's not um, where they are in terms of their recovery from trauma and long-term plans and life goals might be very difficult for them to to even um, identify or imagine, so it is about you know relationship building and supporting people in the in the long term that things aren 't a quick fix, and having you know the right people in place who have an understanding of the impact of some of those experiences for people and how they carry forward into uh, into their conversations about supports and services and engagement and so
1: on. Now, Fiona, let's say with the Arts Ability Program, yeah. uh, do many of the people who use art to express themselves creatively, which is a great way mm. of integrating into the community, do they use it to sometimes tell their stories and maybe spread a message out into the community?
2: Absolutely. The ability program really is about people telling their story. It's it's a journey and that's why it's not just about the exhibition. It's about a process and while we have the exhibition which is great and it highlights um the work that people do and it it enables people to be viewed as an artist by their family, peers and the the broader community, um the the workshop program is really critical because it does give people the time, the space, the support to work through their own journey and express it in whatever artist, through whatever artistic medium is relevant to them. And, um, you know, often the artworks that people produce are, you know, really emotional and very much about sharing their story and where they've been and where they want to go so it can be a great tool for people to start to identify you know what is my future what are my aspirations the um the exhibition last year was actually called future landscapes and which ties in very nicely to you know the coming of the NGIS because it was about people identifying Where to from here? What are my hopes? What are my aspirations? What are my dreams? And alongside the Artability program, we're also introducing another art-based workshop, which is, you know, a holistic focus again, because you're right that um, art really is a fantastic medium for connection and for people to express themselves um, and to build confidence, and for people from diverse communities to come together and have a shared language. Um, so we're looking at expanding that to offer it to more people. Um, and so, yeah, there'll be more workshops that will be started to be rolled out in the in the near future. We hope. Um, but it's been a fabulous uh, a fabulous process, and it's been going for eleven years now. So, and we have many artists who return year on year, and then we have new artists. That join each year as well, so it's it's not restricted by age, it's not restricted by culture, it's not restricted in terms of any type of disability. So it's a really inclusive and exciting process.
0: Fantastic. Now, now Fiona, what um, I believe you've got something coming up for or ADAC ADAC has something coming up for how many days? Is that right?
2: Um. We've got something coming up in terms of. Uh, is
0: there, do you have a? Is there something coming up for? Have, have you got any, something coming up for an exhibition or something for Harmony Day?
2: Oh well, we're having a we're having a lunch, so we will have a, a Harmony Day lunch, and that will bring people. I mean, we're very lucky in that regard because we have so many uh, cultures within our organisation. We will all come together and share. Food and share stories and share a little bit of our of ourselves and our own uh, history in that um, in that process and and look I think it's really important for an organisation like ours to to make sure that we do celebrate Harmony Day and what we see in our organisation we're very lucky in that regard is all the strengths uh, that come from that diversity and the richness. Um, that comes to the community through the different experiences, cultures of the people who are either employed by ADEC or use the services of ADEC or contribute to ADEC in a range of ways. And volunteering is one of the ways that we also bring people into the organisation, um, people who then make a fantastic contribution across all of our services and programmes.
0: Fantastic. Well, th- thank you very much for joining us th- this evening. Fiona, and, but if, I should just ask, if people want to find out more about ADEC and the, the great advocacy and other work you do, how do they go about it?
2: Well, they can hop onto our website, which is adec.org.au, or drop us an email at info at or give us a call on nine four eight zero seven thousand, And we'd love to hear from anyone um, who might want to utilise one of our services, volunteer, or just hear a little bit more about what we do.
0: Fantastic. Well, uh, if anyone's missed out on those details, we'll be sure to put them up with our podcast. Uh, uh, again, thank you very much for joining us this evening. F- Fiona McMahon, Educational education coordinator rather from ADAC Action on Community and Disability in Ethnic Communities. Thanks so
2: much.
0: It
1: was lovely talking to you. Thanks, Fiona. Thank you very much, Fiona.
0: Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. And uh, yes, that was Fiona from ADAC Action on Disability in Ethnic Communities. And uh, we should just, I think we have time just to say if people want to subscribe to 3CR, you can do so simply by ringing... Uh nine four one nine eight three double seven during business hours or 3 dot org dot au and subscribe you can uh, do for for con- you can do it uh, there's thirty I think it's uh thirty five dollars concession it's seventy dollars waged and if you really want to go the whole hog solidarity or a band it is a hundred and thirty dollars and if you like your media independent pendant and f- free of uh f- free of any sort of bias by media proprietor then three C R is definitely the station for use. Come on and
1: subscribe, we will be back in uh, a couple of weeks. We'll be T- back on the thirtieth of March and what's coming back on three C R next? What is up on three C
0: R next is Tamil Voices. We'll see you soon. Cheers.